Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Black City, our show highlighting Black millennials across the country who are creating new ways to build economic, political, and social capital. My name is Dominique Aubrey. I'm the founder of the Black Women's Guide. And tonight, Sheena is unavailable and not able to join us tonight, but she's doing her thing and will be with us uh, in the next one. And so before we jump into the topic tonight, um, want to make sure you're just following us on Facebook and Instagram at newblackcity.co. You also can kind of add us to your podcast favorites on uh, Anchor or Spotify. We're also on um, Breaker and like a bunch Google podcast and a bunch of others. Uh, so let us know where you want to hear us from, but you can definitely check us out on Spotify and Anchor. Um, and if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can put your comments and questions in the Facebook Live. Um, we don't have Instagram Live yet. So just be aware that if you're watching in, you can just uh, ask questions there if you have any. This is our third uh, episode. So uh, the big three. So we're really, really excited. And there's really no better way uh, to celebrate our third uh, episode, except for talking really about liberation, food and safe space for black people. And that's what we're doing tonight. And so we're going to be talking about how to come together around food. This is one of the oldest forms of really organizing people and bring people together. And, you know, just talking about what it means to build trust, big, you know, break bread and, and support black people um, and liberate black people you know, as, as in around the country uh, and more. So with that being said, I'd love to introduce our guest uh, for the evening. So her name is Carrie Coley, and she is the founder of Hell Black Brunch, which I love the name. Um, so thank you, Coley, for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And so obviously for everyone who's listening in, caveat that we are super delayed with the tech and everything, and she's been more than gracious. So I want to just jump right into the conversation here um, tonight and just um, get into some questions. So um, so welcome, Coley, um, and thank you for joining us on New Black City. Um, the first thing I really wanted to you know learn from you in the work that you're doing is when it comes mm-hmm. to your work around safe spaces, you know, what keeps you up at night? Well, I think for us, we, um, and I will send you uh, the link so that you can share it with your folks, but we've been really trying to make peace with a newer term that's coming up in terms of like brave space, right? Mm-hmm. And there's kind of an idea, and I promise I'm butchering it in this moment, but the idea is more like, you know, at any given point, even in safe spaces, right, we're, we're putting ourselves um, in positions that are like asking us to uh, be better, to do more, to try harder. And I think if we think outside of the idea of like, this is safe, and so it means that there won't be any harm whatsoever. Um, but I think for us, we're trying to figure out like what are ways that we can create brave space, but but brave space that feels um, as though like there's a shared value, there's a shared commitment. Um, when I say brave, it means like, yes, maybe we'll talk about something that might uh, uh, unearth some sort of feeling, like maybe you'll experience something new. Maybe uh, there might be some kind of like trigger that comes, but I feel like I'm, I'm constantly trying to think about, well, you know, what are the ways that we can both reflect what does feel like a kind of neutral sameness and, mm-hmm. and also what are ways that we can continually like elevate the things that we do over and over. Right. Because in the end, whatever space we're creating, it's just like, okay, we're going to go eat together or we're going to go to a game, we're going to watch a movie or we're going to do this. These are not new things for us, right? But I'm trying to think about, well, what can we bring to the space that somehow, like, innovates upon whatever it is that we felt before? 
Got you, got you. No, that makes I mean a ton of sense. How are people responding to that terminology of brave space versus safe space in terms of you know who who's the audience? Right? Is it is it black people about our own space, or is it about kind of allies and other partners thinking about safe space versus brave space? Yeah. Okay. So for us, that's a, a lovely question. For us, we think um, I'm going to use Hello Black Brunch as an example, right? Because it, it is. Hello Black Brunch, yes, but we frequently have folks who are, who ask questions about like, well, is this a space for like allies? Is it an only Black Brunch? And that's, it's not, right? It's not um, only Black whatsoever. I think for us, it's about um, creating something that centers Black folks, um, and particularly even in this uh, newer one that we have in Charlotte, which we can talk about later, it's, it's, we're trying to kind of undo the way we come at just creating space, right? Oftentimes it's filled with patriarchy or it's just like um, coming from kind of like centering whiteness or centering um, any any sort of, of kind of standard that does not emerge from blackness. And so for us, we're saying, for us, it's really brave to create a space that actually does center that blackness, that actually does sit around um Sit on kind of black traditions um, and black food ways, and also what is it like for other folks to come into a new space that is mostly black, right? As opposed to mostly any of the other um, ethnicities or races we participate in, and even that is a kind of bravery to come in and still acknowledge in the same ways that we are that this space was created for folks, and we are now inviting you in. And I think it's, it's for us, it's like, it really depends on what you're coming to the space for and with, I think, that kind of identifies where your bravery is showing up in that moment. Mm. But I definitely, I definitely think it's on behalf of organizers and those folks who are coming to participate, right? Um, if they're acknowledging the intention behind it. I think that bravery shows up on both sides. Does that get to the heart of your question? Does yeah, that- no, for sure. I think it's just whenever we use new language and kind of understand the intention behind, you know, intention behind it is really important, you know? So it's like, I think you're right. There's like a bravery on both sides. And, and to your point of the name, Hella Black Brunch, it's, you know, it's, it is Hella Black, but it's also inclusive at the same time. And so what does that mean, right? To hold space for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, um, so I think we all began to really understand safe, understand safe space as like a place where there was no judgment or it was kind of like uh, or no judgment based on your identity or your experience. It's somewhere you could come and feel held. And I feel like in, in some ways that's become a bit bland um, and, and not to say in all safe spaces. Right. But it's supposed to be a place where we kind of feel like we're not going to experience those like microaggressions that we feel in other places. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of the frame space is more of one where we're actually encouraging that dialogue, where we're actually saying, yes, some things are hard and this might be uncomfortable. And we might have a sharing of experiences that you have, you've met differently before, or you've never met in your life. And, and we're still asking you to show up as your best self, but also saying, right. We have tried to put in um, <laughs> both people and and other kinds of resources to help you in that space if it doesn't feel uh, great for you. 
Got it. Got it. And so actually, that's a great segue just for folks who are new um, to your work. Can you just talk a little bit about Hello Black Brunch? Like where it came from? What is it? What you guys are doing and what you're all about? Yeah, yeah. So I actually run. So Hello Black Brunch was started by one of our companies, which is Kafra Community. Uh, well, Kafra. Uh, plainly is the business name, but you'll see online hashtag like Copper Community, Copper Community Cohort, because we work as um, a community thought partner and also a dream incubator and in that we've worked with a lot of small businesses, but also now corporate businesses, larger corporate and nonprofits, right, to, who are interested in investing in equity. So on our part, we typically lend our voice to their communications efforts or their marketing efforts or their branding efforts. Um, more recently, their strategic planning efforts. Um, but for us, Hello Black Brunch was one, just a, a kind of thank you, right, to the community that we emerged from because when Copper first started, we were really more um, of a kind of digital media company. We started out with like some online commerce. Uh, but we really have changed mm-hmm. um, in response to our community. So the Hello Black Brunch, the initial one, um, was actually just a meetup, right? It was the day after the inauguration of 45. And we actually planned it in about two weeks because it was just like, wow, we haven't heard folks really talking about Blackness in the same way um, or Black communities. Um, with the same fervor that we were kind of hearing folks discuss um, just like immigration was coming up and of course the women's march was happening and I just knew that we were going to need a kind of space to hold us Mm. right so it was really more of a restaurant meetup where we took over about half of um, in sorrow this Ethiopian restaurant it's black owned in Oakland we had about 75 folks come in and out with us that day and what I maybe didn't know that folks were going to be that that excited about that was my real surprise about just kind of a very intentional food gathering right Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, that really just centered on being together in space um because they were that excited about it hello black brunch now happens quarterly and it is more now an intentional step away of kind of our traditional networking settings right because i think we are used to going to food gatherings or going to like cocktails or and we know that we're going there because we need to like flex our intellectual property or we need to like tell folks what we do um and this was more of a proactive effort just to hold that brave space for black and queer folks of the african diaspora with the real focus on food being delicious (laughs) um and i think for us it was saying it was a real acknowledgement of just kind of uh historically traditional gatherings, right? Where there's been a lot of, especially when we started in Oakland, folks know that the Panthers started there. We know about the free breakfast program, but I think even further back when we think about our ancestors and their traditional gatherings and strategy uh, sessions around food or um, literally our families kind of <laughs> coming together and making peace or making plans around Um, especially as a person being from the South, it was super important for me to keep that kind of 
uh, tradition going. And so Hello Black Brunch is not necessarily um, a networking event, right? But the thing is, because we create space where folks can come in, and um, we usually have an intention for each brunch, and we kind of use that intention by asking questions with folks by their tickets, and we begin the conversation much earlier than the actual event. So we'll start sharing um, online about what's happening or what folks are thinking about. I think it creates an atmosphere where folks are saying like, hey, you think in ways that I do, or you um, have mentioned that you knew something that I needed. And especially in our anniversary edition, it was actually centered around manifesting. So we really did have people say like, what is it that you need? How is it that I can help you? And not in that kind of like, okay, we're going to like work together. I'm going to become your client, but just what are your actual dreams for our community? Awesome. Got it. That's like, no, that's super helpful. That's actually really, thanks for like sharing kind of like the whole kind of backstory and kind of how it came to be. I do want to get back uh, eventually to your business side because as an entrepreneur, I'm, yeah. I'm always interested in, um, I think we, you know, on this show, we focus on economic, social, and political capital. And a lot of times people we have on the show do, you know, are hitting more than one of those nodes, right? And so I think yeah, talking yeah. about social capital, there's also economic capital because, you know, one of the best ways to, in an odd way to create safe space is to, have give, give our people jobs that are ours, right? Like that in itself is yeah. a version of safe space that yeah. we oftentimes um, don't, you know, kind of talk about. So I'd love to get back to that. But um, before we do, I, I want to kind of mention you. So I saw like a quote uh, that where you were saying that um, when I think about Hella Black Brunch, I'm thinking about how do we privilege Black experience? And I just wanted you to yeah. talk about that idea uh, what are when you say uh, privileged black experience? What do you what do you mean by that? And what is what is Hello uh, Black Brunch doing to create that? Yeah, so I must start by giving the disclaimer that Hello Black Brunch is definitely something burst out of my incredibly uh, niche experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I say that because I think you know, as business owners, we know that we're constantly looking for like what is our Um, target market or who is our actual avatar. And it's like, we need to know what that person does and where they go and what they think about so that we can like create a thing for them. But for me, most of my business creation, most of like what my offerings have been to the community have been because there was something that I wanted or something that I was kind of yearning for um, that I, that I just wasn't experiencing in that moment. So when Hello Black Brunch began, when it was kind of birthed, right, it was my fourth year in Oakland. Um, oh, excuse me, my third, going on my, my third year in Oakland. And third or fourth, you know, that doesn't matter right now, but I think it was my fourth year in Oakland. What you should know is that that meant like I was, that was across the country, right, from most of my family in the South, most of my Liberian family that was up and down the East Coast. And for me growing up, so much of, like, my commuting, so much of my actual kind of, like, support had come from being able to be with my family around food, right? Like, everybody, my mom caters, my aunt and my grandma uh, love holidays and events. And so that was for, I guess, lack of better explanation, something that came out of what I needed for myself. And I think 
every time I try to plan a hell of black brunch, I, we're looking for some kind of experience that, that I feel I've actually had, right? Because I really do believe that I'm not some singular individual. Um, I know that we are here so many times over, right? So I believe that if I exist and I have these wants and desires, then someone else does also want those things. Uh, and so every Black brunch, I'm like, well, what is it that I'm like missing, right? Like what, what did my grandmother's table feel like, right? Like how there are certain things to just like the menus each time, right? Um, because we are so used to, you know, being at events and it's like, well, the food wasn't great. Like the chicken wasn't seasoned. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know why they use the sauce or, or so many things that water down our experience. And I think at each brunch, like sometimes there's a full prayer, right? Like sometimes we're calling our ancestors and the food is always amazing. And it's always based on a historically kind of like Southern and uh, West African menu. It's, it's always really about how many um, different kinds of black folks we can get in the room so that they can bring all of their experiences and their biases and, and their wants and desires and that. So I think because we're constantly starting from privileging what is like, what feels like an individual experience, but what I know is really like multiple communities over and over, I think it really allows us to say, here's what black folks like want or need in this space. Got it. And when you talk about the space, you had mentioned this idea of how, uh, this idea of like not being the other in the room. Um, yeah. Creates something. And so what is that really, not just what does it mean, but like, what does that open us up for? Like when we're not the other in that safe space, like what are we, or what are we experiencing? Yeah. Um, I think this is actually taking the, my, the discussion of the businesses. Um, so our, our company, um, we say that we aim to enhance the lives of communities um, that have been historically marginalized, right? That have been historically othered or historically, historically kind of just moved to the side. And the way we enhance their lives is really we're thinking about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like the basic things they taught us in school. So we're thinking like deficiency needs, right? Physiological safety, belongingness, love, esteem. And we're thinking growth needs, like how do I become my best self? How do I self-actualize? And my, the, the thing that we've done so much, right, is do workshops that give folks kind of like skills and access. Or, you know, whenever we have to apply for something, it's like skills and access. Like we're going to a job. It's like, okay, I've got new skills and now I've got this new job and I've got access. But when we get in those places, it, it's never, um, well, it's rarely um, a lot of us, right? It's rarely a place where we feel seen and reflected. And I think that that frequently kind of um, eats away at our, our feelings of kind of like belongingness, right? And our feelings of safety and, and just like our kind of psychological um, well-being and often our self-esteem. And if we don't have any of those things, like if we don't start with those basic kind of deficiency needs, if we're always the other, um, there's a kind of like self-actualization that we're never or that it takes longer to get to, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So for us, 
it's like, I know that we're the, and I get it, right? I know how the world is. I know um, that, you know, we are frequently in spaces with people that do not look like us, that haven't grown up in our same neighborhoods, that like don't even just kind of like eat the same thing that we eat, right? Don't, don't use the same products that we use. And for us, it's just like, hey, here's a moment away from that where you know that like you are real, right? Like you don't have, you're not questioning whether your experience is real or known or understood because I think being able to be with that actually, at least for me, allows me to go back out into these spaces and like as myself, as my real fulfilled self. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's spot on. I just went to a tech event earlier today and there were some, you know, brown people in the room, but it was, you know, 90%, 90% not. And I just had that moment of like, ah, you know, like, why, you know, like, you gotta just, you know, you gotta rally, <laughs> go in, you know, do yeah. your thing and then and get out it, and you take a deep breath. Exhale. Yeah. Cause it's not even like, you know, it's not always, oh, I'm the only person in this room because of some like narrative of like, I'm the token person and I'm fine with this and I'm just moving on. Sometimes we're the only person in a room because we're the only person there to like talk about equity or tell or like speak on behalf of whatever community we're representing. We're like, we're the only person in the room because we're the first person to get there to be able to kind of move this change along. And it's like, even though we're there, that that still requires some recharging. That still requires me to be like, oh gosh, there are other people that <laughs> go to the beauty supply store. <laughs> you know, there are other people. <laughs> there are other people that season their Yes. Yes. Even just that, right? I went into and I love this place. I always talk about this, but I, I do love it. I will I will start off with that, right? But I um for most of well, I went to an HBCU, right? Um, I ended my high school career at a fairly black high school here. When I was in grad school, I, you know, it was an English program, so that was why. But I also was like living in Philadelphia, so most of my life had had at least been about seeing other black people, and so I I can like identify myself as a person that knows and recognizes certain things that black people do. And when I took this startup job um, at this publishing company in uh, uh, Berkeley, when I first got out of school, it was the first experience where I was like, oh God, somebody's going to ask me about my hair every time I change it. Like, oh gosh, you're going to be moved by the fact that like it's longer this week because it's a leave, I've got braids tomorrow. You know what I mean? Just like things that you never had to question that now you're questioning because you're with other people. And so, so now it's like, well, I wish I was just even for a moment, like, can I just get someone else to reflect me in this moment? Right. Right. No, that I means it's, it's spot on. I think uh, it's the experience that people are having, I think all over the country. I mean, when you think about long-term um, access to space, um, either created for, by, or whatever, in community or in service um, yeah. to marginalize people. Like, how do you see that? Do you see it, do you see it growing? Do you see it hitting more, uh, you know, hitting some walls? Like, what do you see in terms of like that, that idea of yeah. a safe space or brave space? Well, I definitely, I mean, <laughs> I think I see us hitting walls, but not because not for lack of whatever it is we're dreaming of in terms of equity being possible, right? I just see us hitting walls because 
of just like basic evolutionary facts, right? That like, for instance, I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina right now. I'm pretty sure I'm fairly radical for like most folks living in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I don't consider myself to be radical, like, like highly radical, right? Like I know that there are people with much more radical politics than myself, but I think that like, we will all continue to build towards the thing that we want and there will be pushback, you know, and there will be some folks who understand and learn and grow, right? Because that's what the brave space is for, right? Um, and there will be other folks that that don't. And and we as people, not just black people, right? Like all of us will have to make our decisions based on our values and not just based on what we think is right or wrong, but I think we'll have to do some aspirational decision making, right? Based on like what we actually want in the world. And so I think that, you know, if we're thinking about just kind of like how science works, that some folks will weed themselves out. That's what I want to believe. Um, and also... Self-selection, will, they'll uh, say, ah. Yeah. Listen, listen. If we, which, but that's going to take all of us, right? That's going to be like, it, it can't be like, this is what I feel and want for the world, but I'm afraid, right? Which is why we need the brave space. Because if you're afraid and you're not acting out of what you want for the world, then you actually look like the people who want the thing that you don't want. <laughs> and so and so now nobody's sure. And so now that's one less person building towards what we want. Mm-hmm. And I think we really get like actual real kind of like self-selection out of the process if we're all making sure that we are acting out of our real values and desires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even with the, with what comes with that. Um, Even with what comes, comes with that. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? If we, I think there's like a, and maybe this is why I like the brave space idea because we know that what we want is like a dangerous idea, right? Like we know that because we have history books and we've seen like our ancestors beaten. We've seen people like wage war on our behalf. We've seen folks, you know, like we know what it looks like to fight for the thing we want is that we don't want to believe that that fight still has to look like that now. And I don't want it to have to look like that now. Right. But I think it's, we have to decide do we only want freedom or liberation if like we don't have to do anything for it? Cause that's such a strange idea of liberation. And, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that also might not be a unique, uh, that might not be unique to black people. That idea of, uh, yeah. because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's a very American yeah. idea. Like we like, we want peace, right? Like yeah. we want, we don't like, we'll give away all our, our rights and our, and our, privacy and everything for security because we don't want to have a coup. We don't yeah. want to be at war internally. Right. So there is a cultural thing that happens, even if you're not from the States, but you move to it or you're African-American or whatever, where there is a little bit of that, like, well, it's bad, but you know, how bad is it <laughs> comparatively? And do I really want to rock the boat? You know, is a question that people ask. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I don't, I don't mean to like, put that on just black folks at all. Cause I, I definitely don't think that's it. And that, because I, so I know that I create spaces that are like hella black brunch and spaces to prioritize women and brown folks. Right. But I really, really, really do believe and want a future where somehow every single human being can coexist in, 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 
piece, right? Like in a, in a real, or at least like be able to contribute what they, they would like or what they value to this world without living in constant fear or without being persecuted or without being marginalized. Right. So when I'm saying like, we know what it looks like to fight for something, I mean, like, like as allies, I mean, I mean, everybody in whatever future we're envisioning, I just believe that we have to move towards it. And, and also, and even now, as I'm saying it, be willing to deal with those consequences. hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, you, you, I want to talk a little bit about this liberation idea, particularly around, um, kind of, uh, the, the food, but liberation, you had mentioned this idea of like liberation comes in many forms. Um, mm-hmm. and you had said, which it was a great, uh, it doesn't have to mean revolutionaries descending from the mountains or documents. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was a great comment. I was like, that's hilarious. Um, or documents or grand declarations. So, um, I know that within Hell of Black Brunch, um, you kind of bring up the notion of like liberation, just being in the fact that like you can have food that doesn't make you sick. Like that's a sense of liberation. I, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on what are the small ways in which you think we can liberate ourselves, whether that's like on daily, different, maybe daily things, maybe it's just in this, in this food example, but how do you see liberation occurring, you know, for the individual or for the group? Yeah. I, so I was just listening um, <laughs> to the last class um, of, of Eckhart Tolle's on Super Soul Sunday, so over you know they're like BFFs, and they've been of going, <laughs> they've been going through every chapter of the book, mm. and today they were um, I don't know it's it's not a new novel idea. I just want to let folks know that I didn't get that for myself this morning. But they're kind of like they were just talking about um, a sense of powerlessness, right? Which, as Alice Walker has already told us, is like you know the more we believe we're we're powerless or like the way we give up our power is believing that we have none and I think that there's I know personally for myself um, that liberation like those tiny kinds of liberation come from recognizing that we are like incredibly powerful human beings and the easiest way to actually experience that is to start to take back little bits of control that you have over yourself, right? So as a person that has been in a PhD program, has been in like terrible relationships, I use the PhD program because I think it's like equally uh, <laughs> equally problematic right. in some of my relationships. Um, <laughs> um, but like the complex weaves with the complex uh, webs we weave, right? Yes. Yes, yes. I think it will teach you all about all kinds of abuse, you know? Um, and and I know that there is, it's kind of, well, if I make it simply right, in life we're, we're really just kind of juggling like whatever our priorities are. And every single day we have an ability to decide to prioritize ourselves a little bit more or decide to prioritize whatever is not us a little bit more. And it can be anything. It can be all the things. But I think the more we begin to prioritize those things that are not us, then the more we start to feel out of control or completely powerless. And then it's like, oh, well, like, my boyfriend hates me, or, like, my girlfriend hates me, or, like, my mom is, like, so controlling, or, oh, my gosh, I always work and I don't have time. And and we can really, really, really feel terrible. Like, and it'll manifest, like, physically. I know that for myself also. <laughs> the more we start to take those, like, little pieces back, right? Like, we could decide to change the way we eat. 
and not something crazy that makes us feel even more powerless because we can't do it, right? We can just say, like, I'm going to eat one more vegetable this week. I'm going to add one more glass of water to my day, right? I'm going to decide to get at least, like, 15 minutes of movement that has nothing to do with anybody else. And I know it sounds really tiny, but this is the way that we create real change in our life, like actual big change. And I, I believe it wholeheartedly. Even when I have clients now, they'll like they get their whole strategy and then they also have like a little wellness plan <laughs> tacked onto it for themselves. How am I going? Because there are ways, like there are things we can do for ourselves that actually expedite whatever kind of external change that we're trying to make, right? But if we don't start internally or we don't start with the taking care of ourselves, then it makes everything feel like, oh my God, I'm never going to get to like whatever this big goal that we think is going to be liberation. Like I'm never going to get there because I'm completely powerless. So I don't have control or like I can't actually execute on this thing. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I, I think you're spot on and, you know, that idea of like those kind of micro ways you can take ownership back in your life. And I think you really hit this moment of not Zen, but you feel almost like that when it's not in conflict. I think a lot of times when you first start doing that, it's in conflict. Like you're taking this from that. So there's a, so you feel powerful, but it's a power struggle. There's some aggression there and there's some frustration there. And so with the, power that you took back there's also this kind of negative residual energy around that power that you took back so even you did this kind of thing that was good for you because it was pulled from somewhere else it, it doesn't always stick in a positive way because it has some ne- negative residual from where it was taken but when you get to that place where you're doing it and it's fluid and it's natural and it feels like it's right and it's kind of and it's in this calm and healing place then you start to feel like that true empowerment without the fear right that shows up um, yeah yeah I like empowerment without the fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. Um, can you just talk a little bit more? Um, I was playing music like nearby and I'm like getting it to the beat. That's so funny. Um, but can, can you um, talk a little bit about the, just with the detail about the businesses or so the transition. So what is the business currently that you're doing? Yeah. So, okay. Um, previously, my partner and I, well, my wife and I ran two separate businesses and uh, one is called Coffer and one is called Oratory Glory. But as we're moving into uh, what we imagine to be the future of those, we've decided to create an umbrella brand, which is holy. Um, and our actual tagline is make the future now, right? We accelerate the inevitable. And I think for us, it comes back to those ideas that I was discussing with you earlier about um, deficiency needs and growth needs. And it's basically just saying that like whatever thing we create can be a holy brand, right? Like copper is a holy brand or toy glory is a holy brand. And I'll tell you what those do, but those holy brands have to be able to uh, fight or have to be able to kind of counteract what we believe to be the disproportionate labor to capital practices for women, for people of color, for LGBTQI communities, um, and those practices that have kind of existed at the expense of our personal and professional resources, right? So it's like, there are a lot of things that have diminished our economic, our political, our social mobility and stability just as like people of color in the world. We're trying to figure out can we do to come against those things or to like counteract those things really to kind of like build folks up so that they can 
fully self-actualized, right? Because what we need in this world in order to create more change are our folks that are fully actualized. So we think about our impact through three things, and that's shift, space, and sustenance. And so when we're thinking about shift, we're thinking about literally shifting and filling resources into traditionally underserved communities so that we can contribute to the future. When we're thinking about space, we're talking about creating those brave moments and spaces that we've been discussing a little bit so that those spaces can encourage and support um, their personal and professional opportunities for expansion. And then sustenance literally are just the things that take care of us, right? So we're talking about access, we're talking about empowerment, um, literally sustainable resource systems, and and a lot of that <laughs> centers around food and wellness for us. So specifically, Offer as a brand does serve as a creative agency and a dream incubator. We offer experiential marketing services. We do um, community-focused kind of like thought partnership. Of course, we do Hello Black Brunch, and we run Casey Cohort, which is a three-month incubator for sometimes kind of startup, early startup entrepreneurs, but mostly uh, mid-stage uh, small business owners and we get them together and provide them with thought partnership and provide them with mentors so that they can figure out what kind of um, escalating of their growth they can do within three months. And we kind of follow up with them afterwards to see where they are as well. Oratory Glory is a human development agency, so it's really focused on igniting change in creatives and companies and we work with schools. Um, but most of that is done through collaborative learning experiences um, curriculums, uh, products that would help. It's, it's mostly like if I am a professional or a creative and I want to figure out, um, one, what is my next level or like what does continued learning look like for me? Then Oratory Glory is the place you want to go. And the, the baby that we're right now is our third brand of Celia and Squeak that, that is going to be um, an estate and a learning collaborative, but it's basically going to take all of this stuff that we do and put it on a brick and mortar land scale, but also offer up some kind of long-term uh, space, right? Space and time and decompression to, to folks that are, that are doing this work for equity. Awesome. Got it. So if, if you're a listener here and you're in Winston-Salem area, uh, it sounds like to me, I'm going to just, I'm going to distill this. So, you know, feel free to add back out to it, but, uh, you, you're working with nonprofits, organizations and different partnership relationships, but you're also working with creatives, um, on entrepreneurs as, as individual customers, helping them with a you know, variety of different things, whether it's business related, whether it's kind of more self related, um, or kind of, uh, future planning related, but it sounds like you've had yeah. multiple, is that like, a, I just drilled that down really quickly, simply, but if that, if yeah, yeah, folks yeah. are listening, they can know <laughs> yeah, what to reach out to you for so that they know, okay, so if I'm a community partner organization or I'm a nonprofit or I'm a university wants to do stuff around diversity or safe space, or I want to work with professionals uh, in this context, that, that makes sense. But if I'm also an individual who does that work, um, it's also up to work as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if folks, are actually like interested in participating. If they go to holybrands.co, it's literally just H-O-L-I brands.co. It really breaks down each of the businesses. It gives you exactly what we do. But I think folks can know if there's something that they or their organizations feel like they need in order to grow 
or diversify or create some sort of um, equity of learning or experience, then I'm sure we have something for them under one of the brands. Awesome. Awesome. Um, wonderful. So we're going to ask our closing uh, question. The time has gone so fast. Um, so we're going to have a yeah. closing question here. So thank you uh, for all your time uh, today. And so we will close on the question of, in terms of actualizing our dreams of liberation, what do you think we need to do to build a new Black city? This is a huge question, but I, I will contend that uh, all of our communal efforts have to start with ourselves first. Um, so I really, really think if we have a goal of, of actualizing and building some new version of like Black City, if it's new Black City, it's going to start with us really drilling down like, what is it that I want in this world? What is it that I stand for? How am I taking care of myself? And thus, like, how am I contributing to, to people around me? What do my relationships look like? What's feeding my thought processes? Yeah, I think, I think when we start to really focus on ourselves and our growth, we see how that kind of not just like fills out, but really like actually ignites everyone else around us. Awesome. Awesome. No, spot on. So I wanted to say thank you so much, not just for your flexibility, your patience today, but just, you know, for joining us today. So just a big shout out from New Black City uh, to, (laughs) yeah, it was awesome. And and so if anyone's ever in uh, Winston-Salem, you should uh, check out Hello Black Brunch. You should be checking out Holy Brands. And of course, you can obviously follow them on all the Instagrams. We'll post all that stuff. And I just want to say uh, thank you, Coley, just for taking the time today to talk with us. It's been really uh, wonderful. And um, I look forward to seeing all the big things that you do and uh, staying in touch as well. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. No problem. Have a wonderful night. And uh, we will see you uh, in a new Black City.